This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Visit bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 78th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast. Brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Today is an interesting day. It's a little bittersweet. Yeah. You know why? Because we're moving. We're moving. Was that really the reason? Kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say it's great because I'm sitting in this nice chair. Oh, yeah. Reclining back. The sad part is we're moving. Yeah. I've got great uh, eye contact with the viewers right now, so that's always nice. And as they can see, we're surrounded by boxes. We're in a new environment because, yeah, we're going to have a new home. Revel Advertising is going to have a new home, so the Revel Advertising Studio is going to be just a few miles across town not even a few miles less than a mile less than a mile across town <laughs> a few blocks you might say so you guys are moving tomorrow so yeah. we are quite literally the last people that will ever use this space for rebel advertising wow yeah yeah sure <laughs> so we should probably find a nice spot to carve our names into the wall mm-hmm. oh yeah and put our handprints in the wet cement and then then that'll be it I feel like I'm on uh I feel like I'm in like a I Spy book. Okay. There's just like a lot of junk. There's a lot of junk in here. I oh, mean, yeah. it's not junk because it's your belongings, <laughs> but it kind of just feels like it right now. Yeah. There's a there's a purple ram's head that I kind of wanted to incorporate into the, the shot. Yeah. But we did get this trophy in. Oh, yeah. Very nice trophy. It's basketball on top. Beautiful. Uh, it's fitting because... This is the Missouri Sports Podcast, where we talk about Mizzou football and basketball. Um, We've been talking about our surroundings, so if you want to see that and uh, take it all in for yourself, you have to go over to YouTube, and uh, you can watch, watch along, and uh, see what we look like, if you haven't done that yet. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube. That would be very helpful. Um, Kyle, we've got a lot of basketball to talk about. We've got some news to talk about. Um... You want to talk about Josh Christopher? Josh Christopher (laughs) is the, uh, at the top of the hour news, breaking news story. Yeah, breaking news. As of like a few days ago, he's going to announce his college decision. So Missouri recently made his top four. The other schools are Michigan, UCLA, Arizona State. Is that correct? Is there another one? Yeah, no, that's it. Okay, that's it. I think. Um, how are you feeling about this, Cameron? About just like his recruitment in general and making a decision? I don't feel had, good about it. Okay. Um, I think he's going to go to Michigan. And we should mention, though, that it's come out recently that he's going to make a decision on April 13th. Now, the way we came about that information was a Twitter account that does edits for prospects tweeted that they saw on Josh Christopher's Instagram live 
that he said he was going to announce that he thought he might announce on April 13th. So very unofficial information. Yes. About as unofficial as you can get. That's tipped in edits. That, that made yes. that statement. Yes, okay. it is. Um, that's, I, that's probably going to happen. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of honestly like April seems like a long ways off now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping we might get something more in like the next couple weeks, but, um, everything that I've been reading, everybody that I can listen to that might have any idea what's going on thinks it's going to be Michigan. Um, I was just reading an article, kind of a a Q and a with, uh, Corey Evans of rivals. And he thinks it's, it's Michigan. He thinks Michigan is easily the team in the lead. And he, he think, uh, basically all the like crystal balls and things like that are all pointing towards Michigan at this point. So, um, it doesn't look great for Missouri, but I don't know. Yeah, I hope that. I mean, as fans, we've I think we've been prepared for this news for a long time. Obviously, we're hopeful, but I think that in reality, we knew that th- that he would probably not end up going to Missouri. Uh, hopefully, Conzo Martin and staff has planned accordingly and has some contingency plans lined up. Um, obviously, with Missouri basketball, we don't really have a great look into that process a lot of the time. So I don't really know what what plan b or c is but uh hopefully they they know what they're doing well we are due for a, a late signee that ends up transferring after playing like two games or zero in a missouri uniform so we could be in line for that you know so are you uh, projecting anyone in particular there or? no just uh, just uh just a general just, just it usually happens yeah you miss on josh christopher so you just fill the spot with somebody that's signing late and it's a quick marriage and it just doesn't work out. And we, we saw that with uh, Christian Guess and... McKinney. Well, that was more of a traditional timeline of everything. Um, there was somebody oh, else okay. that was a late signee. No, maybe not. I don't know. But Christian Guess is kind of the thing I was thinking of, like a guy that just kind of comes out of nowhere and fills a spot and then it never... You yeah. kind of assume it's probably not going to work out. Yeah. Um, it'll be really disappointing to, if Josh Christopher does announce that he's going to Michigan for that to be like the third strike, as far as he, uh, Caleb Love and Cam Fletcher are concerned. I don't know. That'll be just a really disappointing ending to what, you know, like a year, year and a half ago looked like maybe a really promising recruiting class. But yeah, I think you're right that uh, in general the fans have kind of come in, are, are kind of at peace with the fact that he's probably not going to end up at Mizzou. And if if we were still waiting on the if if it was a completely different timeline and um, Caleb Love and Cam Fletcher hadn't announced anything, I think there would be more hope. But because we've seen so many of these high caliber guys go elsewhere, it's just like, what would make this one any different? Yeah, we're used to it at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Josh Christopher is an elite scorer, which would be great for the Missouri Tigers. Um, but I, I, he's gonna he's gonna be amazing wherever he goes. I'm sure he's probably gonna start from day one potentially, no matter where he goes. So 
Uh, best of luck to him if he goes somewhere else. I know we're kind of writing him off at this point, but you never know what can happen in recruiting, especially a guy that's going to announce two months from now or whatever it is. So I guess you never know. But, uh, yeah, he's probably – I agree with you. I think he's going to go to Michigan. Well, the good news is Mizzou basketball sent out some new scholarship offers for future prospects. Uh, those include uh, two 2022 players – a wing named Demarion Watson Salisbury and a guard named Braden Carrington. They both play in Minneapolis. Um, there is a, a Minneapolis uh, Academy called Minnehaha that uh, also has Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs on their team. Um, I believe, I know uh, Holmgren had a Mizzou offer. I believe Jalen Suggs did, did as well. Um, and then a 2021 guard, Hersey Miller, who also plays for Minnehaha, and he is, coincidentally enough, the son of a rapper, Master P. Now, Kyle, you and I are a little bit young to be, uh, you know, well-versed on um, some of the OG rappers in the game, but Master P was kind of one of the, uh, uh, like, on the forefront of rap, and so that's kind of interesting. His son is looking to play D1 basketball. Yeah, um, that is cool. Um, I I would like to know what Missouri's staff's fascination is with this team. I mean, I mean they've put in, they put out like I could probably count on two hands how many offers they've put out in the last like year, and they've just randomly offered like this whole team <laughs> in like like Minnesota. Yeah, like I guess you just really like this team or something, but it's kind of random. I do think though, um, maybe put uh minihaha on your radar for a potential bass pro tournament of champions team next year um chet holmgren's the number two player in the country and um, there will be regional interest because of mizzou offers um some more notoriety because of the master p connection so i think uh maybe put them on your short list of i'm gonna go ahead and make a prediction that they will be in the uh, bass pro tournament of champions 2021 that'd be awesome and we should be finding that out in the next few months i would think right yeah they usually announce the teams in april so yeah all kinds of announcements happening in april oh yeah um let's see here uh eric bossy of rivals also reported that mizzou has been very active in recruiting 2022 five-star forward forward mark mitchell he's from kansas and the tweet was basically that Kansas and Missouri have been very active in his recruitment. Yeah, so it looks like uh, the staff is definitely um, trying to hit 2022 pretty hard, um, going after some pretty high-profile guys. Um, Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs, are those guys 22, 2022? Or are they 21? Holmgren's 21. Okay. Jalen Suggs is 2020. He's going to Gonzaga. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, kind of getting in on these guys early. Um Hopefully we can kind of lay the uh, the groundwork and um, be there in the long run. Yeah, it's I mean it's so early to really be talking about twenty twenty two, but right. a five star from Kansas, I yeah, mean, seems unlikely. Those don't usually uh, leave the state exactly. Yeah, but there's some names uh, for folks to keep an eye on and keep track of as we since uh, twenty twenty is like. Josh Christopher, that's the only name out there to pay attention to. The recruiting yeah, cycle's almost cycle's over. over so. pretty much, yeah. Yep, looking ahead. Uh, in football news, the NFL Combine is underway, 
And one interesting result from that is Albert O had a an unofficial 4.49 40-yard dash. And that was kind of blowing everybody away on Twitter today. Yeah, that is remarkable. I mean, when you think about a 4.440, I mean... That, four four that, nine. True. Very close to five. True, but that's still that 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 would be like an acceptable time for like a skill position, like a wide receiver or a running back. I mean, that might be like a little on the slow side for, potentially, but that's really impressive. Yeah, it's six five, like almost two fifty two sixty. Yeah, I think I saw that was like a top five tight end forty times since like two thousand three or yeah. something like that. So yeah, that that's super impressive. Um, anything Albert O does athletically in the combine is not gonna surprise me. It will still impress me, but mm-hmm. it will not surprise me because he is a freak. Yeah. <laughs> and um, whoever, whatever NFL team uh, ends up with him, if they can really uh, max out his potential, that it's gonna be incredible to see what he could potentially do. Yeah, you see a lot of teams kind of going with. Uh two tight ends that they use pretty regularly one more of a blocking tight end one more of a receiving tight end and if i mean i think about like unfortunately i think about the new england patriots and just how they are able to take advantage of the unique skills of any tight end that walks through the door there and pair them up with maybe a complementary tight end they can take two guys that maybe aren't either one the best but just use their specific skill set to maximize their value. Mm-hmm. And there's other uh, teams in the league that can do that as well. But it seems like that's been a kind of a trendy thing in the last few years is to have two tight ends, one that's more of a receiver and one that's more of a blocker. Yeah, and <clears throat> I think Albert O fits the way that the league is trending as far as like the body type for those kind of receiving tight ends. I mean, you think of obviously like a poor man's Travis Kelsey. I mean, a guy who's just basically a big wide receiver who can, who can run well and um, can get out there and in space and make plays. And obviously Albert O, we know he can do that. He's going to have to work on, you know, consistently making tough catches and stuff like that on um, just like a random third and eight kind of play instead of just catching like easy wide open touchdown. Cause he did a lot of that at Missouri. That's yeah. certainly a viable criticism of his play at Missouri, but obviously um, he's a super young guy and has a lot of time to develop. And so it amazing things can happen with guys once they get um, in an NFL program. I think that's all I have for news. Uh, just another quick note on the combine. I saw Kelly Bryant, at least unofficially, I believe, ran a 4.6940, which is decent for a quarterback. Um, I honestly was kind of surprised to see Kelly Bryant at the combine. Um I don't know that he's going to get drafted, uh, but of course, again, you never know. Um, I think I saw Yasir Durant had 21 bench press reps, which is pretty good. Yeah. So, looks like so far, uh, Mizzou guys, I mean, incredibly early, but it looks like Mizzou guys are doing a pretty pretty good job representing so far. How many of them? I think we'll kind of break it down a little bit more after the combine's over, but how many do you think get drafted at this point? Well, there's six of them at the combine, which is actually a pretty high number um, for really any school, um, especially Missouri, but I would say probably three of them for sure get drafted, and that's Alberto, um, Jordan Elliott, and Yasir Durant. I think for sure those three guys get drafted. Um, Tristan Colon-Castillo, maybe. Um, I think he's probably the, the fourth guy on that list. 
but I would maybe <clears throat> I would maybe nudge Kale Garrett ahead of him a little bit. Yeah. And I just don't think Tristan Colon Castillo is gonna do himself any favors in the um drills and stuff at the combine. Um yeah. We we did talk about this a little bit before we started recording, but I think you mentioned. Oh yeah, a, he had eleven, 11. bench press. Yeah, that's that's really not very good for an offensive lineman. Um, but there's a ton of drills they do, and there's so much more than just the bench yeah. press. But that's that's the first that's the first data point, and right. that's that's pretty underwhelming. Yeah. Uh, for a, for an offensive lineman, so hopefully he can uh, get that turned around a little bit. Now is that all we have for news? I think that's it. All right, so then let's talk about basketball. Missouri could not continue their winning ways on the road against Arkansas. Um, Missouri lost that one by 10, uh, 78-68. It was a lot closer than the final score indicated. Um, We'll just go through it a little bit, and then we'll kind of react to it. Uh, Kobe Brown had seven early points, and Torrance Watson hit a three, and Missouri jumped out to a 24-11 lead. Missouri's offense looked amazing and the game was had an incredible flow to it. Uh, Missouri was kind of doing whatever they wanted and remarkably there were no fouls called for like I think it was like the first 13 minutes of gameplay. Yeah, it was something ridiculous. There were no fouls and that definitely benefited Missouri. Um, the refs weren't calling anything and also the teams were just not fouling. It wasn't like the refs were missing a bunch of contact. It was just Mm-hmm. The teams were not really fouling. Yeah, that game happened right after um, we saw several things come out on Twitter where people. Um, yeah, we talked about it on the on last week's episode. Were like publicly coming out and just talking about how many fouls are being uh, called across the league. Yeah, and for whatever reason, I don't know. Uh, maybe teams in the SEC just play scrappier defense and they just foul more. I don't know what it is, but uh, the SEC was was far beyond uh, any other Power Five league as far as the amount of. Uh, fouls being called and so right after some of this stuff starts coming out the of course we have this game where there isn't a foul called for the first like like literally 10 minutes of the game so i don't know if that was just a coincidence or if the refs were like all right maybe we should try to i feel like that did check i feel like that kind of held true in the vanderbilt game to some extent as well maybe not quite as extreme with like the first 10 minutes but uh there were not it didn't seem like as many fouls called in, in the vanderbilt game either um. So after Missouri jumped out to that big lead, Arkansas just completely dominated the next 15 minutes of the game. They outscored Missouri by 20 in that span to take a 43-36 to 36 lead early in the second half. And then pretty much from there on out, Missouri was down by four to six points right up until the final few minutes. Um, but then Arkansas was able to stretch the lead out to about 10 and that's what the final score ended up being. Missouri, every time they would make a play to kind of make it manageable and look like they they needed to string a few plays together and they never could, and Arkansas just was hitting shots down the stretch. Um, Having but, Isaiah Joe back was yeah. huge for them. Yeah, um, Isaiah Joe was 5 of 10 from 3. Arkansas as a team was 12 of 25. And wow. Missouri couldn't really hit anything, and they just couldn't keep up. Yeah, that was definitely the looked more like the Arkansas team uh, from earlier on in the year. They were they were really really good uh, in like the non conference and um, kind of the first half of conference play. Um, and when 
Isaiah Joe went down. They obviously went on a, on a pretty big losing streak, but so having him back was apparently huge for them, and the crowd was super excited to have him back as well, um, understandably so. But um, I, I, I don't know. I thought Arkansas was going to be better this year uh, or better in the con- in conference play than they've been, but a lot of that just had, I think, just has to do with the fact that he's been out for a while. Yeah, five-game losing streak while he was out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they win. They won games on either side of that. Um, yeah, take. I mean, they have nine losses in conference. Five of those were when he was out. Mm-hmm. And I think the game in Columbia against Mizzou was the first, second, second. game, I believe. Okay, in that losing streak. Because I remember being like shocked when yeah. <laughs> when Missouri pulled that off. So that that was definitely a, a different both Missouri and Arkansas, but just different teams at that point in the season. Yeah. I mean, if you take away, if you take away Isaiah Joe's shooting from this game, Arkansas's offensive performance is basically the same as when they lost to Missouri in Columbia mm-hmm. and Missouri's offensive per- performance is about the same. They were not good. <laughs> um, Missouri as a team shot 57% from two, which is fine. 80% from the free throw line, which is amazing. But Four for 21 from the three-point line. That's 19%. I still felt like uh, they did a pretty good job like attacking the basket like they had kind of been doing in the last few games. Obviously, that was a that was a change that we saw um, for the positive, a few, you know, starting a few games ago. And I still felt like they maintained that even though they lost. Um, but obviously, Xavier Pinson did a good job kind of distributing and, and getting the ball inside and just making a concerned effort to, to attack. Yeah, um, Penson and Drew Smith were combined one of ten from three, so that's not very good. Uh, Kobe Brown was the high scorer for Missouri with seventeen points, and he also had his first ever double double with ten rebounds. Um, he was two for six from three. Everybody else was two for fifteen. Yikes. Yeah, he was really good in that game. Um, I feel like a lot of, not a, maybe not a lot, but I feel like a, several games have started with a Kobe Brown three, which yeah. I think is kind of interesting. I, I, I don't know why that is, but uh, maybe he's just uh, just open at the beginning of games for whatever reason, but he started that game with a three as well. Uh, Drew Smith and Xavier Pinson both finished with 15 points. X had seven assists, but also five turnovers. Um, as a team, Missouri did okay turnover-wise, um, but Xavier with five of the team's 13 turnovers. Um, he also pitched in with six rebounds. Um, the rebounding was fantastic for Missouri. They out-rebounded Arkansas 36-23, to 23. so nothing, nothing was wrong there. It was just, I mean, four three-point makes versus 12. That was basically the game here. Because Arkansas shot 80% from the free throw line as well. Actually, the teams were an identical 16 for 20. Just uh, that's what happens when shots don't fall. Exactly. And, I mean, if Missouri, I mean, Penson won for eight from three. He shot more threes than twos. So that's not in line with what he had been doing uh, that had been allowing Missouri to be successful and win a few games. Um, for Arkansas, Jimmy Witt uh, found his normal success in the mid-range. Um, Making everything. Yeah, there's like one guy in 
the SEC that you don't want shooting mid-range twos, and it's Jimmy Witt, and he mm-hmm. did it all night. And then, of course, you have to have your random, uh, you know, career performance uh, shooting threes from Desi Sills. Uh, <laughs> he had 17 points and four made threes, and he's shooting like 28% on the season or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Arkansas jumped Missouri in the standings after that win, or did they tie them? So I'm, I'm seeing mixed uh, results on that. On the what I've, what I've heard is that technically Missouri still holds on to the 10 spot because they are tied, and Missouri has a tiebreaker over them by beating Auburn. However, I can't... On the SEC website, their official standings show uh, Arkansas in the 10 spot and Missouri in the 11. So maybe they don't factor in tiebreakers until the end of the season or something, but I don't know. I don't think you're going to have to worry about a tiebreaker with Arkansas because their three remaining games are at Georgia, home against LSU, and at Texas A&M. I think they'll beat... I think there's a decent chance they win all three of those. Mm. They they beat Tennessee handily uh, a couple nights ago. Maybe that was last night. Uh, so they seem to be kind of back in the swing of things with getting Isaiah Joe back. I think they beat Tennessee by like 15 or 20. Mm-hmm. Yep, that looked pretty good for them. Um, I just, I don't know, it's going to be tough. I think there's a very good chance Missouri stays at that 11 spot mm-hmm. in conference, which honestly maybe uh, missouri's best chance to win two games in the sec tournament for the first time yeah i mean all things considered um if you told me like a month ago they were going to get the 11 seed i'd probably be totally happy with that to be honest yeah i'll always go back to uh, those back-to-back games against south carolina and texas a&m where i honestly thought they might not win another game yeah but every for the most part if you're not elite uh if you're not even that good you're gonna have uh, stretch where it makes the fans question whether you'll, you'll ever win another game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and if they have a first-round matchup against Vanderbilt and then play Tennessee or Arkansas in the second round, I think, or even Alabama, that wouldn't be the end of the world. Yeah. Um, you ready to move on to Vanderbilt? I'm ready. So this was maybe one of the worst wins to watch that I can remember from Missouri basketball. It was just, well, we'll get into it and I'll explain my grievances with this game in particular. Missouri did win the game 61 to 52. Missouri was just better. They're just better than Vanderbilt, but because they struggle so much on offense, they just let Vanderbilt hang around for pretty much the entire game. Uh, There was a moment in the first half where Vanderbilt was on a 13 to two run and they took a nine point lead and it was maybe the most frustrated I've been watching Mizzou basketball all season because the offense just completely stagnated. Um, well, first of all, I'm having to watch that horrendous excuse for a gymnasium. You really hate that gym. I do. Whose idea was this? They were like, okay, how do you want to lay this out? All right, let's, let's try to make it look like, is there any way we can make it look like from the TV cameras, the only people in the gym are the 10 players on the court, the refs and the two head coaches. They're like, yeah, I think we can do that. Just move everybody out, you know, away from the cameras, move the benches to the baselines. You only, what about like the uh, scores table and stuff? Nope. Move those guys back. We don't want them to be on screen. 
what about like courtside? No, no courtside. Just move everybody yeah, yeah, back. It makes, it makes it feel so like empty and distant. Yeah. And yeah, let's just make like a like a three foot platform with us. Oh, and, and, but you can't see on. the cheerleaders. The cheerleaders sit oh. along the sideline. Okay, over there. So well, you know who had? I was watching Missouri State play at Valparaiso a few nights ago. And you want to complain about Vanderbilt's gym? Valparaiso looks like they're playing at Kickapoo High School. <laughs> It is awful. I mean, like, it it looks like the gym was built in probably like 1920, and there's it probably seats like three or four thousand, and every single seat in there is like a wooden like bleacher. Like, I'm not even joking. I'm I think that there's like high school gyms in Springfield that are probably as big or bigger. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Like Vanderbilt, their stadium looks like a palace. Comparatively to Valparaiso, I don't know. At least they have. At least Valpo has seats near the floor that you can see. Oh, they've got the, they've got five thousand of them close to the floor. <laughs> it's just ugly. Yeah, that's not the best. Uh, back to Vanderbilt, though. Thankfully, Missouri was able to go on a few runs of their own. They had two separate eleven to one runs. They took a nine nine point lead of their own with about fourteen minutes left in the game. And even though nothing really looked that good, it was just like, okay, Missouri is better than this team. Now that they have a lead, I'm still kind of mad about how this game is going. But another thing that really frustrated me was the officiating was bad for both teams. It was wildly inconsistent. They couldn't figure out how they were calling charges and blocks. There was one play in particular where um, Xavier Pinson tried to take a charge and just completely whiffed and barely, the guy like barely grazed his shoulder on the way up, but Pinson fell down and then they called a blocking foul when there was barely any contact. And I think if Pinson just doesn't fall down, then they don't call anything because he made it look like there was contact. And then some of the, some of the charges that even went in Missouri's favor, I was like, seriously, why are we rewarding the defender for just kind of like getting in their way and falling down. I mean, that's how I kind of feel about charges in general, but yeah. there were a couple in this game that went Missouri's way that I was still just like, what, what, remember, what is going on right I now? Don't even, I don't remember what the call was, but I definitely remember thinking that at one point in time in the game where I was like, Missouri got the call. Yeah, I was like, I was okay, like, I'll was, take it. That but, was an awful call. Yeah. That's, that was wrong. <laughs> yeah, but we'll take it. Yeah. Um, Vanderbilt... I mean, Missouri never really could put Vanderbilt away and Missouri and part of it was because they were just throwing the ball away themselves. Like at the end of the game, when was, when Vanderbilt was pressing Missouri, just kind of, I don't know. They just, there was another, uh, that was one of the foul calls where they called a foul when Drew Smith was double teamed and, um, there just wasn't much there, but they got bailed out mm-hmm. with a foul call and the, the broadcasters liked it, but I didn't really think there was much there do you remember the like and one call in the second half where the guy like dunked it and the Vanderbilt player dunked and who'd they call a foul on Parker Brown I think and he didn't even touch him at yeah. all yeah uh yeah it, it, might, it might not have been Parker yeah Brown. I think it may have been Mitchell Smith yeah I think you're right because it, he like his hand comes across but there was no contact literally at all. whiffs yeah and they call a foul yeah. yeah it's like you don't even see a foul call you just right. like this is just a play in your mind that you envision a foul it happens right. here. You don't see it. You don't hear it. Yeah. But you call it anyway. Because yeah. it just like that looks like a play in which a foul normally happens. <laughs> and I've said it before. I'm probably a broken record at this point. But I don't necessarily blame the individual refs. I think 
that their job is just too it it's they're just not good enough their job is too difficult for them to do correctly often enough for us not to be frustrated yeah um missouri was able to hit free throws at least uh so they kind of iced it even though they tried to throw the game away a couple times by throwing the ball out of bounds or nearly throwing it out of bounds they did hit enough free throws to seal the deal and uh vanderbilt really helped out the tigers by just shooting terribly from the field Cam, let me ask you a question. Yeah, let's hear it. Do you did you know? And I, you probably you'd have no way to know this, but um, I'll ask you anyway. Did you know that Scottie Pippen's son plays for Vanderbilt? Now, was that the guy, Scottie Pippen? Was that the guy that they had picture in picture like during the game? Like yeah, about think, about seventy five percent of the game. I they think had? they showed him maybe forty five times or so. That makes sense. Now I was wondering, like. You know who is this guy? Why are they? Why are they cutting to him? You know every other play. Yeah, that's his son. That's his uh, his his dad. Wow. Played in the NBA. Played for the Bulls. Well, you're talking about. Are you talking about Scott Pippen on Vanderbilt? No, absolutely not. Well, I think it. I think he doesn't mind if you call him Scott. Oh, Because really? if he cared, then he'd spell his name with an I E. True. Just to make sure that nobody called him Scott. Oh. But he does the Y. So that's why he does that. Yeah. So I think it's okay to call him Scott Pippen. Okay. I'll remember that next time I see him. All right. Uh, but yeah, uh, one of the reasons they kept cutting to Scott E was because Scott D Jr. could not make free throws. He was five for 11 and at one point had missed like seven in a row. I don't know why they kept cutting to Scottie Pippen because he looked so bored. I mean, he Vanderbilt miserable. has won one sec game this year so true yeah but uh vanderbilt's terrible shooting basically allowed missouri to win this game um missouri didn't do anything offensively on their own to capture this victory vanderbilt just couldn't do enough to even have a shot um vanderbilt copied missouri's stat from the arkansas game and vanderbilt made four out of 21 three-pointers Nice. Good for 19%. It's probably that gym. Terrible yeah. death perception. Could be. Um, but uh, Vanderbilt also shot 55% from the free throw line, which is just horrendous. Yeah, Vanderbilt is really, really bad. Yeah. They were actually getting open shots. Like, I don't think Missouri's defense was necessarily, like, contributing to the dreadful shooting from three-point range. Because they were awful. they were moving the ball and finding open guys and then just clanking them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clanking him. Scotty Pippen Jr. did have 19 points despite the terrible free throw shooting. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but Mark Smith and Jeremiah Tillman were both in the game, I think, even at one point at the same time. Mm-hmm. But Tillman only played nine minutes and Mark Smith played 14. Yeah. So they're kind of easing them back in. They didn't do too terribly much. Uh, Tillman had a dunk, Mark Smith made a three. Um, which was that was wonderful to see. Tillman had a huge like two-handed block. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Uh, other than that, they didn't really do a whole lot. After watching, um, which granted, Reed Nico has played really, really well uh, the last month, month or so. Uh, but after, I think he was a uh, Kimpom MVP in this game. Really, after watching him play uh, a majority of minutes at the post, uh, and then going back to watching Jeremiah Tillman play. 
he's just so explosive and uh, athletic and I don't know he's just so fun to watch mm-hmm. um, it'd be so nice if uh, he was healthy and could could really just get it figured out next year maybe if, he, if he's returning next year uh, that that would be great because um, he I don't know he's just incredible athlete uh, you're talking about Reed Nico. He had 14 points. <laughs> and, yeah, Reed uh, Nico comes back next year. Yeah, Reed Nico had uh, 14 points. He was perfect. He had a perfect game. Five for five from the field, four for four from the free throw line. I wouldn't mind seeing Jeremiah Tillman do that uh, next year. How many fouls did Tillman have? One in nine minutes. It's amazing. Yeah, he's really turned a corner. Yeah, just scale that up to, you know, 30 minutes, and you know everything's great. Um. Anything else specifically about this Vanderbilt game? Not really. I mean, this game is pretty forgettable. Um, I mean, it's good to see Missouri win a conference game on the road, but Vanderbilt's so awful, um, and that gym's so awful that I can't bear to talk about it one more moment. Okay. Well, Missouri is now fourteen and fourteen on the season, uh, six and nine in conference play. They are one hundred fourth in Ken Palm. Please let us just just finish in Correct the top hundred. Yeah. Uh, 144th on offense, 83rd on defense. So improving modestly there. In SEC play, they're 12th in offensive efficiency and 11th in defensive efficiency, which adds up to an 11th place uh, in the standings. Do you think that their defensive ratings going down in conference play have anything to do with the fact that, like, Xavier Penton's been playing more minutes? And Mark Smith hasn't been playing as much um, in the last month or so. I would like to think so. However, um, Mark Smith played in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight SEC. He played in the first eight SEC games, and Missouri's defensive rating was just plummeting. Yeah. I think, I think we were having play. having that conversation while Mark was still playing. Yeah. yeah. And he was playing, you know, 30 minutes a game that entire time. We'll never know. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is there. I should stop trying to crack the code because I'll, I'll never find out. Tillman not being out there obviously hurts as well, but, I mean, he started conference season just like Mark did. Yeah, I mean, not too long ago, though, they were triple digits in defensive efficiency as well, so. But also That's at the crazy. beginning of the season, they were top 20. Yep. Uh, next up, Missouri plays at home against Mississippi State. And I should be going to this game, but I got robbed. You got hose, man. Of two free tickets plus two Mizzou hats that if uh, justice had been served, we'd be wearing them right now. <laughs> they would have already delivered them to you. <laughs> like rush delivery. Did that happen like yesterday, didn't it? I don't even remember. It was like, uh, yeah, either Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll tell the folks what happened. All right, I'll tell them. Um, There was a trivia giveaway contest that Mizzou Hoops Twitter account. uh, I just happened to be looking at my phone right when this posted. They said, which former Tiger is averaging about 21 points and 10 rebounds in Japan? And viewers, Kyle, producer Cameron, I swear to you, I did not look this up because I told myself, this is a rare opportunity. This goes through my head in a split second, I think. I was sitting here on Twitter right when this was posted. I do not have time to go to Google and then put my guess in. Somebody will beat me to it. 
you know? So I go with my gut and I go, Leo Lyons, question mark, because I wasn't sure. You did put a question mark. I did not look it up. I was not sure. This was a guess, an educated guess, but a guess. Right after I posted, I do go to Google just to confirm because I thought, well, if I'm wrong, maybe I'll just put another tweet out there with the correct answer. But I was correct. And then here come, and I looked and I was like, okay, I'm first. You were the first one. And then here come the flood of answers. These people can copy my answer if they like. They can Google it, have all the time in the world. They can find themselves a nice picture of Leo to post along with their answer. But there's nothing they can do to change the fact that you were first. Correct. However, in the details of the tweet, it says they will choose a winner amongst the replies. They don't say anywhere that, you know, first one with the correct answer will win. They don't even, they don't even say that you have to have the answer correct to win. They say they will choose a winner from the comments. So when I reread the tweet, I realized being first probably didn't do anything for me. I'll probably never be first with the correct answer for another trivia event in my life. This was it. And I got robbed. I didn't know which one of you I was going to take. So that kind of <laughs> saved me <laughs> from some awkwardness there. True. True. That would have been devastating potentially to this podcast. <laughs> So now you're going to have to watch this game on TV, huh? Yep, like uh, like the commoners do. Mm. I was ready to I was ready to fill the arena and be loud and chant M I Z, but yeah, that's a missed opportunity for Missouri basketball. Yeah, it's not happy there. Yeah, they, I mean, if they knew what they were doing, they would have me in that arena every every game. <laughs> Why I don't know. The Alliance, huh? Yeah, you just thought of that off the top of your head. Yes. That's, to, I mean, that's kind of impressive. Did you, you said, um, I thought maybe Ricardo Ratliff. Okay. So that was my, in the split second that I had to decide on who I was going to go with, those were the two that were in my head. Mm. And I honestly remembered something about Ratliff and South Korea. Mm. I didn't actually can ever go back and look at why I associated those together. I think he's actually like lived there for a while or something. Yeah, apparently he's doing amazing uh, basketball-wise, too. Yeah. But uh, I just... Yeah, Leo Lyons. Hmm. And I, I mean... I didn't know he was still playing basketball, honestly. Yeah. I haven't heard of him he's, in a while. He's kind of right there at the right there in his prime, 32 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he was... I, I guess I probably... You know, I've, I've done the research for the, like, Mizzou basketball, where are they now things. And so I've, I'm always looking at these weird you know, overseas teams and like knowing which Mizzou basketball players play in what random country. So I think at one point I must've looked him up, even though we don't usually go back that far in our, where yeah, are I they now if, segment. If we went back that far, it would be really hard for me. Cause I, <laughs> I just don't know those players as well. Um, as I do probably the last like five years. Well, we won't be there, but Missouri's going to play Mississippi state back home in Columbia. Uh, Mississippi state is 18 and 10, Nine and six in conference, number fifty-two in Ken Palm, nineteenth on offense, one hundred twenty-eighth on defense. In SEC play, they are fourth on offense, tenth on defense. And if you remember, Missouri lost at Mississippi State seventy-two to forty-five. That was probably the worst, in my opinion. That might have been the worst Mizzou game of this whole season. 
Yeah, that, that was awful. Yeah, that's up there with the... I don't even think I watched the whole game. Yeah, that's up there with both the Texas A&M games. Uh, that was back on January 14th. Uh, that was one of the lowest possession games Missouri's played this year. Uh, Mississippi, Mississippi State is also pretty slow. Um, they do not look to push the pace. Maybe that's something that Missouri can try to do in this game since they'll be at home um, to maybe try to find some kind of advantage. Uh, Reggie Perry, if you don't know about him, he has been the Ken Palm MVP in eight of Mississippi State's last 17 games. Uh, they have two. They only have two wins in that stretch where he was not Ken Palm MVP. He destroyed us last time we played them, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, when you look at all the players in the SEC, in the Southeastern Conference, Reggie Perry is top 20 in nearly every single advanced metric that Kim Palm tracks, including he's top 20 in two-point field, goal, two field goals, free throw percentage, and three-point percentage. Wow. I would never have guessed that. Yeah. That's in-conference play. He's shooting 34% from three, good for 20th in the league. He's top 20 in... Minutes, offensive rating, possessions, shots, field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding, blocks, fouls drawn, free throw rate, and the shooting numbers that I already said. You get him in foul trouble. Yeah. Uh, but he... Doesn't foul. Doesn't foul much. He's not in the top 20 in least fouls, but um, three, about four fouls called against him per 40 minutes. So that's pretty good. Pretty good number. I don't know what Missouri does with him. Uh, if Tillman plays, I still... Perry is versatile enough that I guess you probably have to try to stick Mitchell Smith or Kobe Brown on him. You're, you're going to be playing your four guy against him most of the time on defense, I think, because he's just... He's quick enough, and he plays well enough on the perimeter that you're going to have to have a quicker guy out there. I I would say just put Drew Smith on him, but, I mean, because, I mean, they're just not the same position, really, but, I mean, Drew Smith shuts guys down sometimes, yeah. so... Um, that would definitely be a challenge. Would, that would be interesting. I mean, I'd say just keep throwing people at him until something works yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. Just keep, keep swat, switch it. You know, try anything. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. He's got me stressed out. It's not even yeah, game day. Tell, yeah. Gosh, what are they going to do? Yeah. Um, does Kim Palm track um, amount of, like, total dribbles in a game? Total dribbles? They do not. Okay. He does not. Yeah, he probably wouldn't be top 20 in that. No. I'm just trying to find something, you know, that yeah. that we have against him, you know, something, some dirt on him. He's just a sophomore. You think he goes to the NBA after this season? Mm, maybe, yeah. He can shoot, too, yeah. so I, it's possible. The NBA He's... likes that. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you think, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe if they can just try to limit his touches in, in any kind of way. I mean, their guard, Mississippi State's guards aren't the best. I think... Robert Woodard is a guy that I think is kind of under the radar. He plays a ton of minutes for Mississippi State, but doesn't really shoot the ball that much. He needs to shoot more. He's like 
one of the best three-point shooters in the conference. But I think you said that last time we talked about this team. It was like well, he shoots a high percentage, but yeah. not a high volume. Yeah, he shoots like he shoots like almost forty-five percent on three attempts per game. Mm-hmm. So he should That's be shooting the ball more, and probably not Tyson Carter, who's shooting thirty percent on one hundred and sixty attempts. How do you feel about this game? Well, Missouri will be at home. Um, Probably should be a pretty decent crowd. Uh, However, Mississippi State is in a situation right now where they play Missouri, South Carolina on the road, and then home rivalry game against Ole Miss. If they win out, they'll be at 12-6 in conference and have a really good shot at the NCAA tournament. As it stands right now, they're favored to just beat Missouri and Ole Miss. If they lose to South Carolina, I think that could be enough to keep them out of the out of the tournament. They did recently lose to Texas A&M, which is a bad loss. I think Mississippi State's going to be really focused, and I think they'll win by eight. I'm going to pull you, Cameron. Oh, let's hear it. Missouri's going to win this game. Okay, tell me why. Biggest reason they're at home. Uh, that seems to be a uh, massive factor in college basketball um, for some reason. Um, I think that Jeremiah Tillman is going to come back and play 20 minutes in this game. He's going to keep the fouls in check, and he's also going to, for as about as good as he can, keep Reggie Perry in check as well. Um, that Now, nobody can really keep him in check, but minimize him as, as much as possible. And I think Mississippi State will struggle to shoot the ball. Um, I know they've got Weatherspoon. Uh, he's he's a decent shooter. Um, they, He'll be looking to get to the rim, though. Yeah. They've got guys that can shoot, but I think they're going to struggle. Um, I think Missouri's going to win a close one, 71-69. to 69. That'd be nice. It's a little revenge game, man. Got, a, got embarrassed on the road about a month ago. Going to come back and, and uh, get revenge. Yeah, I mean, I really hope you're right. But how did a how did the team how did a team that's 128th on defense hold Missouri to 45 points? Just one of those weird like middle of the week games on the road. I don't know, like kind of a long way from home. I don't know. Sometimes like I feel like as a player, it would be hard to get up for some of those like midweek games. Ken Palm, Ken Palm says Mississippi State by one. 69 to 68. Hmm. So, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, but... Hope you are too. I just feel like this is one that uh, Missouri will let get away. Uh, moving on, but going back to Mississippi, Missouri will play at Ole Miss. And Mizzou just beat Ole Miss in Columbia, 71-68. That's almost your score prediction for the Mississippi State game. Wow. Uh, that was just a week, uh, 10 days ago or so, on February 18th. Since then, Ole Miss lost to Alabama and Auburn, but they play Vanderbilt on Saturday, so you kind of assume that they will win that. Uh, they currently sit at 13-15, and 4-11 in conference, 96th in Ken Palm, so a little bit better than Missouri. And for them, it all comes down to Brian Tyree. Can he do enough to overcome 
not having any help whatsoever on offense? Honestly, I think he, yes, in this game against Missouri. I think he is just, his ability to score is unreal. Um, I think he's going to be too much in this game um, at home against Mizzou. Personally, I think Ole Miss wins this game by seven or eight points. I, I think this is a, I mean, obviously, I just predict the score of both games, but I, I really think this is a tougher game uh, than Mississippi State is. Hmm. Man, I'm going to I'm gonna have a hard disagreement with you there, Kyle. I think even if Ole Miss beats Missouri, now my, I, predicted Missouri, uh, I predicted Mississippi State by eight in Columbia. I can see I can see them being up by six to twelve the entire second half. I think it'll just kind of stay there. I I really think Mizzou can kind of play the same game they played at home against Ole Miss and keep it really close right to the end. I don't know Mississippi State just. Maybe it's just psychological for me that I just feel like they have Mizzou's number, but it does seem like they have Mizzou's number. I mean, the whole time we've been in the SEC, it seems like we don't play well against against Mississippi State. Even um, remember that game that Kevin Perrier like hit the three oh, to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even the times when we've won, it seems like yeah. in, in, improbable. Oh yeah. Um, I'm looking at Brian Tyree's recent games. Uh, he is the last time he scored single digits was nine points on the road at LSU February 1st. Uh, since then, he has not gone under 16 points. They just played Auburn. He was uh, he had 16 in that one. It was two of seven from three, one of 12 from two. Hmm. And I think just because they don't have anybody else that looks like they're willing to step up, yeah. I think Missouri has enough perimeter defense. To slow him down. I mean, that's truly a situation where you just put Drew on him and hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. But I think with the way, with Mark Smith back, we know he's a good perimeter defender. I think Torrance Watson has made big, big strides in his uh, on, on ball defense recently. He still can't make a shot, but. True. Um, I don't know. I think they, they'll be able to manage Tyree a little bit, even though Mississippi, even, when, even though Ole Miss will be at home. I'm going to say Mizzou 68. You know what? I'm going to say Mizzou 77 to 74 in overtime. Mm, that sounds thrilling. Oh, yeah. I hope, I mean, you know, I, I like to be right, but. I'd be happy to be wrong on that one. I say, I feel when like was I say the, that a lot. When was the last time that we picked two games and disagreed on both of them? I don't know. We usually don't disagree on much. No. Man, these Mississippi schools just got us. Yeah, got us all frazzled, man. They're in our heads, need, I we, guess. We need to have a little disagreement sometime. Damn, That's good for us. We don't right? know. Yeah. We don't know what to do with these guys. <laughs> um. Well, I just turned my page over and it's empty. I know. Is that all we have to except talk about my, today? Except for my little, my little uh, speech. Your outro? Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have to look at that because I've got it memorized. But. That's true. It's not like we've done this 78 times or anything. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. This camera got to see the other side 
of my face today. Oh, that's true. So I hope that you guys have enjoyed seeing the other side, you know, uh, now seeing my entire face um, at different times, but still uh, gotten to gotten equated with both with both sides. Um, for those of you not on YouTube. Sorry. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, what are you doing? I mean, we're a couple, we're we're some nice looking gentlemen, and we need you. We need you to get on YouTube and give us a little subscription. Yeah, we need your support there. Yeah, but um, I think that's all I have for the folks today, Cameron. I think so. All right. Got, okay. I'm. I have to hold. I have to read it. I'll get it down one day. But you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, we're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Podcast at gmail.com. Is that what it really is? Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. Is that what I said? <laughs> you said podcast. <laughs> oh, no. So many people are going to email us, and their email is going to bounce back undeliverable. Bounce back, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sorry well, about that, everybody. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. I can't even read. I'm looking at the paper. I can use it. Right? <laughs>